You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. We're juggling phone calls and bits of paper. We're juggling phone calls and cords and microphones because we're getting ready for a big hour and it is going to be a big hour of... Food and drink radio, and I'm a little bit excited about this. The green room is heaving with guests. <sighs> Talent and legends. <laughs> Talent. Yes. Yes. Oh, my Lord. Uh, yes, it's uh, it's going to be fun. We've got um, uh, representing the great northern restaurant tribe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we have Matteo. If you were going to pick a restaurant to represent northern... Melbourne, in a northern Melbourne, I reckon you could probably do a lot worse than Matteo's. Pignatelli! Yes, yes the man sorry. himself is in the house. He is looking amazing. He's looking very relaxed. Yeah. And uh, and uh, also from the uh, the great south there on the... Uh, on the bay. On the water. On the water. Uh, 22 years. Oh, we should have said actually Matteo. 25 years. Yes. Representing. Yes. The north. And representing the South for over 22 years, we have Gail Donovan, part of the dynamic. <laughs> Let that hang. Dynamic. Yes. That's almost like dynamic. Uh, the dynamic duo of Gail and Kevin Donovan at their eponymously named... Donovan's. I was going to say, we actually have two eponymous restaurateurs in today, and two, I reckon... Mm. I'm just going to nail my colours to the mast. Go on. I reckon they're two of the best in Melbourne. I think if you were to say, uh, where would you want to take a tourist to show them what Melbourne cuisine is all about, or Melbourne hospitality is I all think about? As as well as really, really great food, but it's it's about the greeting and the hospitality. Yes, you could do a lot worse. So uh, Donovan's in St Kilda. Mateo's in, what do you call that? So is that, it's not really Fitzroy, but anyway. Yeah, it's Brunswick Street. Brunswick Street. In Brunners. Mm. It's, um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an institution. Anyway, yes. so we, we've got them in and we're going to have a chat to them about uh, the years, how the restaurant industry has changed, what they've done. What's their secret? What's hospitality? Yes. How do they see hospitality? 20 years is a long time. 25 years even longer. Very enduring, we were saying off air. Yes. It's the word I came up with, an enduring couple of restaurants. Um, uh, in, no, you said more. You had three words. Did I? Enduring superstars. Yes. And I went, oh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> so, And I did. So, yeah, they're on the on the show, and we look forward to that. And um, a drink, another. It's eponymous. It is, too. That's right. Yes. It is, too. It's the eponymous hour here. On, <laughs> and kids, if you don't know eponymous, you will by the end of... Uh, the show it means named after yourself. It's kids. the opposite of anonymous. Yes. That is the antonym. Yes. <laughs> Your end of the lesson. <sighs> the Negroni. One hundred years. Happy birthday, Negroni. Count Negroni. Did you think you were going to get to a hundred? The great complainer. Oh, really? Well, he was. He goes, yeah. "This drink is not strong enough for me." <laughs> yeah. But we'll find out a little bit about that. How yeah. the Americano got transformed. Into the eponymous Negroni. It's so, Actually, uh, it used to be uh, Americano in the in the Count Negroni style oh. for quite a while. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the drink's been around for a hundred years. Gee, it's been trendy for the last ten to fifteen. It used to be a bit of a mark of distinction if you walked into a bar and ordered a Negroni. The barkeeper go, oh, yeah. this guy knows what he's doing, or gal knows yeah, what yeah. he's doing. And and actually, it it sort of started. I would say um, even more. Excuse me, while I cough. 
As a as mm. a thing, a knockoff drink of of waiters and chefs, oh, right. the great pirates of the industry, you know, yeah. because they'd go right. I can't go to sleep yet. No, I need something. <laughs> I need something quick and strong. I, I need some alcohol, and but it's also <laughs> maybe one of the most perfectly balanced drinks around when it's built well. Yes, oh, one to one to one. Yeah, come on, mm. it's not rocket science. What is that? The, the, the not the ratio of the ingredients, just for those playing at home. You feel like just pouring yourself a granny right now. Well, you need sweet vermouth. Yes. You need Campari, of course. Yes. And you need a gin. Yes. And then it's the Campari is the the North Star or the the South Star is the one that is fixed, mm. right? Yeah. And then the rest are all these variations. You can, you can get around it. You can move around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I had actually. Um, what's the, oh god? Where's my brain? Mescal. A mescal on the granny. Oh. Anyway. We won't get into that. So, lots and lots about <clears throat> Negronis. But, um, Matt, you decided to visit a couple institutions we a while had, ago, and I thought it would be worth having a bit of a discussion about that. Look, we just had one of those perfect winter Melbourne Saturday afternoons. I'm a big fan of Saturday afternoon dining because I'm... Winter Melbourne Saturday afternoon. I'm getting old and I don't like going out at night. Right. Not, you know, I just would rather be at home. When, well, especially <laughs> Saturday night. Well, exactly. I mean, that's cowboy night. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be at home with a heater on and a, yeah. and a cup of Horlicks. But, um, so it's the season of nut or the Saturday night of nut yeah. to use that campaign. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, we just visited a couple of, I'm going to use the word, Melbourne institutions, uh-huh. but what better way to feel good about your city than uh, on a cold Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. popping into the city wine shop there on Spring Street, Spring Street, just for a little little glass of wine or something nice? How would you describe it? City wine shop, if you haven't been. So, where is it first? Let, let's 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 locate it for those that haven't been there. Sort of opposite Parliament House. Probably yeah. the best way to say it. On Spring Street. On Spring Street. Yes. Uh, or west side of Spring Street. Yes. Um, and part of Con Christophilus's compound of 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 uh, <laughs> outlets. Compound. Yeah, it is. So it sits next to the European. Oh, you see, got the European yeah. and the supper, uh, and supper, supper club. club. Yes. And then there's that bar that he's just opened down the alleyway, which um, is also has an entrance on mm-hmm. uh, Burke Street. But there is a je ne sais quoi, yes. a There's certain something yes. about the city wine shop. And it's funny, I sometimes show international tourists and people around this town mm-hmm. – and one of the things I do, I say, you want to know the difference between Sydney and Melbourne? Mm-hmm. And I wander them in. I wander them. I get them to come in. <laughs> Where? Cam. Smith. Yeah. Language. Hi. Huh? Words. Um, I take them into this place, into this space, and I say to them, this is Melbourne. What do they see, Matt? Yeah, a lot of wood panelling. You see, mm-hmm. you've got the whole wall. No bling. No bling. No whole, bling. Whole wall with uh, bottles of wine that you can uh, take away or have there. Mm. Boxes um, of wine usually un, um, that in the state of either being opened and stacked. Yes, and a snappy little menu scrolled on the wall <sighs> in chalk. And and there it is. Um, and, and one of the things it does is it shows the, uh, the vibrance and the variation of 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 the elements that we use to make Melbourne cuisine Melbourne. So mm. there's like a uh, – there's a risotto, there's a schnitzel, yep. there's a salad niçoise on there. There's almost always a niçoise, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's all these little elements of European influence. Yes, that come. And dare I say it, on a sunny morning, mm. there is no better place to have breakfast. Agreed. 
There is no better place because it, it faces the east. So you mm-hmm. get the sun coming down. Through the trees. Depending on the season, even through the leaves of the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a great place to maybe have, I don't know, some smoked salmon on a roastie with a glass of bubbles. Well, our afternoon didn't end there. So, so we started oh. at the city wine shop, had mm-hmm. a nice little glass of something. And then wandered around the corner and went to another uh, place that just screams Melbourne, uh, the Cellar Bar underneath Florentino's. If you've not been to Florentino's, there's, there's, there's the grill, there's the main restaurant there's upstairs. There's the upstairs, the great the mural room and the Samuel Wynn room. Yes, and then, yes. Uh, use the word, it's, it's probably the cheaper option of the three is the Cellar Bar. It's the entry level. It is, but it's just beautiful. Same kitchen that uh, supplies and... Uh, it's a place that serves uh, six days a week. Yep. Don't do it on Sunday. Sorry, no. we're having lunch because we're Italian. But again, opens for breakfast. Seven o'clock until midnight every day. Mm-hmm. And it, it's pff, extraordinary. Great book too, by the way. If you, it is, I agree. The, if the you, recipe book. That is a real ripper. And it's also got the spaghetti bolognese recipe. Ooh, yes. Three different types of meat. Yeah. Beef, pork, a little bit of chicken. Yep. It's my special ingredient. So I say to you, if you're if you've got a bit of the winter blues, because sometimes <laughs> Melbourne can get a bit gloomy, and mm. uh, winter can be a bit of a marathon. If you have uh, a couple of bucks in your back pocket, uh, a little carafe of wine at the cellar bar will cheer you right up. Yeah. Mm. Well, come on in. Sounds good. Uh, all right, we're going to have a chat to Matteo and Kyle Donovan very very shortly. And it's an exciting time here at the uh, at the microphones of mm. Three Triple RFM because we do have a couple bona fide legends as they look towards. <laughs> that was I just did Not that just to, to see that legend. look. What? Oh, God, have we got here to that? It's, I'm not dead yet. It's, it kind of sucks, doesn't it, when someone says that because you go, oh, really? That's um, Matteo Pignatelli and Gail Donovan, a very, very good afternoon, and thank you for coming in, the two of you. Thank you. Good afternoon to you. Oh, you're well behaved. This so is, this is it's early. Of, it's early. This is kind of fun. You haven't got us cranked up yet. All right, we're, we're, we're going to see if we, get, if we can do that. Um, first of all, we were... Um, we were saying, Matt and I, that uh, mm. we were talking about you and, and Matt just sort of just laid this down. I had to sort of say, yeah, you're absolutely right. A couple, okay, forget the legends and all that. Enduring superstars of the Melbourne restaurant scene. That's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, we've got to laugh. That's yeah, good. Cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> job's done. All right, job's done. That's good. But um, a tale of two suburbs, the north and the south, with uh, Donovan's down there in the south representing South Melbourne and the north with Mateo's on Brunswick Street. Um, in, in both cases, taking over other established businesses, really, when you think about it, which is kind of a thing that you both have in common. Yes, uh, uh, being the original Mietas. Yeah. So it was actually a bit daunting to take it over to think as she was on the floor of that space my god (laughs) she was daunting but not as bad as tony knox but yes it was more scary than daunting here comes the controversy it's the first line (laughs) yeah no sorry tony but i'm pretty sure you won't be listening anyway no i don't don't think so but i do remember the way mietta used to glide around that place she was a wonderful she was so elegant and so 
just special. She was a very special person. And very much the keeper of her room, because I remember going to a 21st there a million years ago, and someone had decided to tie balloons onto each one of the chairs. Wow. And, and I remember Mieta just swept in and looked, and in this one look was just um, was communicated a thousand things. She was You could see her going, am I going to make a scene about this? I'm not happy about this. Shall I just ignore this? I think I will just ignore this. And she just <laughs> glided out. So you took over that space 25 years ago. 25. Oh, and that was actually between Mieta's and myself. Yes. So it was, um, she sold to, it was Mondial and a couple of other places. Oh, Mondial, yeah, really. So between when Mieta's closed and I opened, it was, yes. it was nine years difference, but seven owners. Yeah, wow. So the seven owners all were hoping that there would be an overflow from the Fitzroy side of Brunswick Street and had nothing on the menu that was under t- over $10. Mm. So when I took it over, I put nothing under $10. So I f- went back to the original Mieta. You went, we're changing of, this. <laughs> this, is, this is back to fine dining we want. Uh, it was, wasn't really fine dining. You know, we've never really been fine dining. We've always tried to keep it. Under fine dining, but above casual dining, because there's a, like a middle market there. Yes. So, what I call casual, casual dining. I guess in that form, we sit in the same bracket that we're both trying to to do exactly the same thing. And I, we took over a restaurant what was called Jean Jacques. So in the same period of time, and um, both restaurants had been really busy in their heyday. Yep. But they had long lost their heyday. Mm. They had indeed. So the business that we took over was frantically busy in the summer without any business at all in the winter. And, um, yeah, we'll start again and see how we go. How did we go so far? So how many, years, so how many years have you made it, babe? 25 years. Yeah, so 22. So 22 you for you. Yeah. So you said it was really hard to draw people to the Bay and St Kilda in winter time. Oh, always has been, yeah. yeah, and it shouldn't be. I mean, we we were talking about well, we we're we're celebrating winter because it's one of the most beautiful times to be there, and and you see that um, I think that Melbourne gets over it. It takes them a couple of weeks when it first goes cold to every year come out again, <laughs> right? Every year you wait for it, and if you're in our business, it's like no one's coming for two weeks because it's cold and raining, and and they're at home and they've turned the crock pot on and found the bottle of them. Shiraz. Yes, I don't blame them. I'd be doing the same. Yeah, um, but it has become a city that's. Just as alive in in Melbourne's vibrant and alive. Have a look at what's going on in winter. It's beautiful, it sensational is. place to be. And the good thing with having a history of twenty plus years, we know that those two weeks every year it's going to be quiet. Mm. So I have a lot of restaurateurs ring me and say, "I'm a tell you, it's quiet." And I said, "Oh, was it quiet same time last year?" And they go, yeah. "Yeah." And the year before that, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, hello, I've got I've got news for you. Next year, same thing. Yes, just, just got to plan for it. That's the key. So what, I guess isn't what, that the great thing about not a great thing, but it is a thing about restaurateurs is the rationalisation of the seasons and the time, where it's like. Oh yeah, it's uh, school holidays have started, or school holidays have finished, or it's the first thing of winter. And yeah, do you have those chats? Sure, hundred percent. But again, you plan for it, so you yeah. know they're going to happen. So it's when you don't plan that you you fail or you, you lose out. But if you, you can plan, I've got staff that have got family, yes. so it works out perfectly. That's when they take their holidays. So. And we, we use a little bit of expedience. Now, before we talk about the present and where you guys are and what you guys are offering for this day, 
How have both of your places evolved and changed over the years? Wow, that's a really good question. You should um, <laughs> interview people. Yes. <laughs> so, um, well, as you can imagine, sorry, go on. No, no, you go. go, 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 go. Because so I've got to think about <laughs> it. Right, I know if I don't go first, I won't get a word in. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so we preempted that. <laughs> so we, only, we know each other well so and respect each other well by, by the, yes. the same token. So... He's actually a really good guy. <laughs> and, and can I tell you, I'll be, I'll be respectful now. He runs a good gig. I don't want him, I don't want him as my competition. Yeah. You stay on your side of the city, mate. I'll stay on mine. That's why it's he's a good a, thing he's yeah. a few I'm not planning, I'm away. Not planning to he's cross. He's a don't really worry. good operator. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, um, Early days. So you, you do need to evolve in the way, because people's tastes change. Yes. So you, and the, even, um, the the um what can I put it so as it as as their taste change you need to keep ahead of the head of the pack rather than be following following you got to try and change and the way I used to do that was to change chefs every few every few years and that's one of the things that really defines you in the fact that it was never you never got um, a big name chef it was about Mateo's not the person. As much. Yeah, and not even about Mateo's me, no. but Mateo's it it, was a, the brand. The thing. So yeah. it's always about the brand. Mm. But we needed to evolve because when you hit 10 years, and I'm sure Gail will probably say the same thing, we were finding that our customers were getting older. Yes. And which, yeah. which is fair, which is great, you know, and as they're getting old, as they get older, they eat and drink less. Yes. So oh, the offering, you can't. No, we don't want dessert. Yeah, so, at the, so at the end of the day, believe it or not, I run it like a business. Yes. I need to make money. I have to put kids through school. Oh, I have to go right. on holidays. Yeah, I have to drink my Negronis. Yeah. So we made a conscious effort after the first 10 years to steer away from European and go to, more towards Asian food. Yes. So, and that change, we had a lot of customers. So we would, we would have lost about 20% of our customers who said, oh, we don't like this Asian fusion. It wasn't even fusion, but it was more an Asian inspired. Inspired, yeah. And um, so we lost 20%, but we gained 20%. And the 20% we gained would spend more. So it was... Uh, hey. <laughs> I know, sorry, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, you know, by <laughs> trade. So, But what we did want to keep maintaining and always have through the 25 years is that sense of hospitality. So even though the food's changed, the front of house was all, we're all there the same. So they say, hi, Cam. Hi, Maddie. We've got a different style menu, but I know what you like. You won't like this. You'll like this. Mm. So for them, it was like going somewhere new, but still being somewhere familiar. And, yes. that's, and all along, it's been like that. And funnily enough, now that we're coming up to 25 years, everything old is new again. So we're heading back towards that more Italian-themed Awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Gail, you've had a, a place where um, your back of house and certainly your chefs have almost become part of your family, have they not? Sure. We, um, I guess we kind of look at it in a different way. Uh, we look at Donovan's as trying to be our house that you come to. So uh, a um, lovely Californian beach house. That's the one. Yes, and I remember we, reading that somewhere. We, yeah, oh, you, it's just uh, <laughs> stop it. Um, we we want to make it as personal as we can. It's a big restaurant, but we want to make it as personal as we can. Uh, we are set to. Uh, we're committed to giving people 
what they want to eat. So the 10 best-selling things that we opened with uh, 22 years ago are still the best-selling things. So they remain on a, on the menu with a little house beside them saying, you know, written down the bottom, we honour the, the... The past. The past. Yes. Um, but basically our rule is to give people what they want to eat, not what we think they should eat. And that works for us. Mm. So, um, and, and I think that the most important thing is that we, uh, the guidelines that we set for each other for the business change all the time. So every year we have things to aspire to. Um, this year we aspire to, and we're not getting it right, but we're trying. We're aspiring to be the friendliest restaurant in Melbourne because friendly is good. And we maybe, don't have enough friendly. And I think, Matei, you can probably agree with me on this. The, the, these two, this dynamic duo in the front of the house down there on the south by the bay, Kevin and Gail yourselves, are the, some of the most beautiful consummate welcomers and 100%. genuine hosts. I'm, yeah? I'm a bit feisty, but my husband's an absolute darling. <laughs> I, I, I can agree with that. Okay. It's Ke- true. Kevin's He's an absolute Kevin, darling. You're okay, too. Ke- Kevin's you got know. some edge to him when you, when you scratch, too. Our other thing was that we wanted to, um, and this goes for everybody, that whether you have a coffee or you're eating out or whatever you do, we wanted to make our goodbye better than our hello. So everyone will know, in you come to the door, take you to your table, what would you like to drink, blah, 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 yaddy, it's all gorgeous, and you might get someone to serve you dessert, and then you have to ask for the coffee, and you definitely got to ask, can you have the bill, and then you might have to ask, where's my coat, I we don't get it right all the time, um, but we never stop trying to make ourselves better, I would love to have you asked the person did they need the bill and I'd love somebody to be at the door opening it for you when you leave so your goodbyes as good as your hello. What do you think about that, Matthew? 100%. Yeah. And the key to that is, and both Gail and Kevin and myself, we work in our businesses still. We concentrate. Yeah. That is our, our, our babies. It's our life. Our life, our customers are our friends. Mm. Maybe I wouldn't take it as far as to say family, but I know Gail's, they certainly make them feel like family because mm. I don't speak to half my family. So, uh, <laughs> so if, if I, they were my family, I'd have half a, go, I'd, hey. I'd only have half a restaurant. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> you. And, and oh. if, if my family come in, I can't even charge them. So it's I, my buddy. <laughs> so it's the cousin again. Jeez. <laughs> You know, yes. your father and my father, they yeah, came whatever. on the ship together. I go, yeah, but my staff don't care about that. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing is too that's really obvious here, that if you in any – we have a business like Matteo said, and our businesses cost a lot to run, so you have to be very – you have to learn how to be a business person for sure. Um, but the other thing is that if because we care – if I ever, we made a promise to ourselves, Kevin and I, and I'm sure you do the same, if we ever didn't feel like going to work and we ever thought that we had it all, if you think you've got it right, then you should stop doing it. Exactly right. That you need true. to look at your income, your social media, what people saying about you, whether you like the good stuff, the bad stuff, you need to read it, see if it actually is relevant and change what you need to change. If you don't want to try, shouldn't be doing it. And dare I say, with your very good self... I don't know if you do this, Matteo, because I think Matteo has – the decor is pretty set, but, Gail, you 
just go right every year every six months baby six months that's right i forgot yep. that. i've changed it 42 times so far <laughs> but no 44 but who's counting and great garage sales afterwards oh absolutely yeah, can good. i oh do i do garage sales you've got no idea and what about you mateo what do you think about uh, should is mateo's a place that is sort of fixed decor wise and oh, no, does that change as well we don't change every six months maybe every, every six years i think you need to put back into the the environment that people are eating yes you know, and maybe mix and also a liquor paint does a does a wonder, doesn't oh, it? It's easy how a liquor paint, but yes. new, more, more comfortable chairs. Yes, um, the way you design and present menus as well. So you need to keep changing, keep it fresh, and and chairs are one of the most expensive things in a restaurant, are they and not? also the most uncomfortable in some restaurants. Yes, you know. what but, makes a good chair? Comfort. <laughs> Comfort, and, upright. Yeah, yes. but here's the thing that people do. Getting what? the table height wrong in compared to the chair. So the table height can be sitting under your tits or down at par. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. I forgot where I was. No, it's all right. It's okay. We... It works for me. I don't, yeah, I don't triple as much. So, so what's, what's, what's the perfect ratio? How do, how do you work that out? You need because you're not going to know. You need if your chair's upholstered, then it's going to sink a bit when you sit on the table. You need to actually get the table and the chair and put them together and sit on them. Yeah, simple as just sit on it. It's like when chefs put up dishes and say, "Eat this for me." Yes, and you go, "Oh, yeah, tastes great." And I say, "No, no, sit down, sit down, and enjoy the the journey of it." do you know what's this? I'm sorry to all the chefs in the world. Forgive me. However, <laughs> you will you will go out sometimes, yes. and it looks gorgeous in the kitchen. But have you eaten off the plate? Yeah. So the first thing is the plates don't fit on the table, so that's a bit awkward. Yeah. And I hate that thing where your knife and fork disappears into the plate. It slides into the. Oh, oh man, it drives me nuts. Yes. Or, or you need two hands to carry one plate. Yes. yes. So, oh. so you need four waiters instead of two waiters. So yes. it's that again. Chef loves it. It's a canvas, brick canvas. It's about sitting down and actually putting the dish on the table and seeing it if it works. It's just. In the end, I know there's that old adage that the customer's always right, but if you don't stick to that and you don't live by that, you're not going to make, you're not going to, they're not going to come back. Because, you know, and I think Gail and I are the same in a lot of places. You know, it's all about the customer. It's not about us, about our egos. And even though we're egotists, I, I am. Yeah. Um, and I know, oh, no, I, Okay, just continuing. <laughs> so they laugh. My goodness me. It, it, it is. It's all about the customer. At the end of the day, if they're not happy, it's uh, the business doesn't work. Yes. And I always say, thank you for coming to my restaurant. Yes. Because there are hundreds of other restaurants you could have got, thousands of other restaurants oh, in, you, you in this food gone. town. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're very appreciative because it allows me or us to live an agreeable lifestyle and have some fun as well. My other thing is, um, and this one's really important, we are lucky that we have a lot of staff that work with us that have been with us for a long time Mm. and I encourage them to get involved in our business and share. I want to learn from them. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's an important thing. Because they see through different eyes and they're the future. Yeah, well, that's that's probably a good point. Now, um, there was one thing I thought I'd just sort of uh, touch on. I'm just saying there's about three minutes left in the interview. I'm holding up a piece of paper, but... uh, here is one thing you can just sort of uh, riff on if you like. The people you love, the strange customer, and the ones you never want to see again. 
discuss. Oh. Take it away, Mateo. <laughs> I know. How, how long you, have I got? You bugger. <laughs> the, the, the ones, the people that upset me the most, I think, is probably you. Yes. Is the ones that are rude to my team. Anyone that is rude, because we have a, yeah. a, quite a demographic. We've got mm-hmm. Indians, we've got Sri Lankans, we've got Italians, we've got... And when they're rude to them, or someone will say something like, oh, I don't want to be served by that dark no. dark skin girl. Really? Oh, it still happens. Whoa. And I say, sorry, I don't think you're you're welcome in this restaurant. And you, yeah. kick, and you kick them out. Simple as that. Wow. Well yep. done, you. Yeah, because it's just been a, a wog myself, really, yes. in the background. So... And but it's something that really gets up my mind. Even now, it's kind of bravo, and yeah. it still and it still happens. It still happens. Well, that's really surprising, but I'm I'm delighted to hear your response, Gail. The the people that uh, have passed through the place. No, the ones I I dislike the most are the ones that bully people on the phone. So because they're on the phone, they think that just mm-hmm. some idiots answering the phone, and I can be as rude as I like. And I always say to anybody that's that's in the office. Take their number. I'll call them straight back, and you'll be so <laughs> you'll be amazed. So call them straight back and say, "Hi, it's Gail Donovan here. I've here. You've got a problem." Yeah, you'll be amazed. No, they don't have problems. Sweet as can. Yeah, Sweet and that's candy. that's sad. That's really sad. Uh, True. Actually, I never thought about it. It is bullying on the phone. They it's serious, especially when they don't realise they're speaking to the boss. Even yeah. though they are, everyone yeah. uh, we have a, a quite a lateral system at work, so everyone's or equal. The other one, I don't want to be rude, and I never thought that you know. Don't you know who I am? Oh, I had someone say that to me the other day. Is that you saying that, Gail? Or uh, no, that mate, it ain't me. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You know, I feel like saying, well, sadly I do, but anyway. <laughs> and it, it's terrible when it comes from someone very young, too. Oh, man. Who Second sort of generation. Saying, who are going, just, my father is. Just And anyway. The yeah, world's was, too much fun to be like that. It so, is indeed. So I'm not sure if that is what you wanted to hear. But or Absolutely. Or was it an incident? No. He wants uh, to dirt. He wants to it was, we, it was, we don't air our dirty kindly gone around the dirt. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know. Of course you have. <laughs> I um, say to people, we live in a world that can be mm-hmm. prone to be aggressive, yes. right? And we give them things to drink as well. So yes. we're asking for it. I guess so. But it's and one of those things that... It's you have to keep smiling and keep going forward because the minute you show any weakness to them, they will be all over you and try to destroy you. Is that a fair comment? I just want to know who's stealing my cushions out of the lounge. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, check the handbags. So, yes, well, congratulations to the two of you. Uh, Gail, you actually wanted to talk about an offer you had for the library room. I think we both got a couple of things. Go on very quickly. In, okay. in 30 seconds, see how quickly you can do your Winter s- celebration. The yes. private dining room is yours for lunch Monday to Friday. Six. You only need 10 people, up to 20 Sixty bucks a head, including booze. Including booze. Including booze. Boom! Over to you, Mateo. Well, I'm over there. Dear bloody um, top that. So we're doing um, 25 years of celebrations. Yes. So basically, what we're doing, I've picked the 25 best dishes that have sold well, or the favourites. Including the la- some that were d- done by your wife when she was first exactly back in right. house. Yes. yes. So for 25 days, we're running this full à la carte menu, and then on the la- which will run from the 17th of July to the 13th of August, which is not really quite 25 days, but almost 25 yeah. days. Who's can? Who's can? And then on the last night, we're going to Franca, my wife, who was the first chef, is yes. going to actually cook dishes. Well, she's not going to cook it actually, but you know, where she's going to supervise. She'll, she'll be on the pass. She'll be on the, uh, the guest chef, like most chefs yeah. are nowadays. Yeah, doing dishes 
a modern interpretation of the dishes from the f- very first menu awesome. that she did uh, with Sounds the soda. fantastic. Is your buddy Greg Maloof going to come down for that? Well, it's funny you say that because one of the dishes on the 20, uh, 25 dishes is he does a bestia, a pigeon bestia. Yeah. Wow. So that's and because he was one of the chefs over the last week, he did a guest chef. He's coming. He's flying in in a couple of weeks, Whoa. Awesome. and he's going to come and show the guys because it's different chefs now. We're going to have a duck bestia on that menu. As that's well. awesome. Can you say a big good day from me? Yeah, I will do. So good. He's doing all right in Dubai, and as you guys have done in your uh, prospective postcodes, and have shown great food, a great place. And great hospitality. Congratulations Thanks. to Thanks the two of you. Thanks so much for Thank having you, us, Cameron. It is really, really lovely Thanks, to mate. help celebrate that. And uh, and I think that maybe if you want to just hang around, we might have a Negroni. Oof. Just one? Well, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. And I love your interest in our industry. Thank you. Oh, that's very, very kind of you. You are listening to 3 RFM. We'll be back with the booze after this. What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Let's drink. Cheers. 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 Ah, the command from the burrows. It's kind of a good thing. I go, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. And uh, the command is, uh, yeah, let's drink. But uh, let's drink with a little bit of feeling and a little bit of uh, intellectualization, shall we say. Mm. And to help us do that, we have the redoubtable, uh, the Luca Bioni from Campari, brand ambassador. It's delightful to meet you, and thank you for taking the time to come and see us. Thank you guys for having us. It's a privilege to be here, actually. Uh, it's very, very kind. We also got Mick Formosa, who's hanging in the background. Uh, the legend. Yeah, the legend that he is. Just He's just making a cameo, but that's good. How on earth do you become the brand ambassador for Campari, you bastard? <laughs> Sorry, I just say... No, but really, what a not great taken, job. Not taken. No, but yeah, okay. No, but seriously, what, a, what an awesome job and an awesome uh, privilege and responsibility. How did you manage it? It has actually been like a bit of a bloody yeah. bit of a dream for me since I was a kid. You know, I don't know if you can hear, but I'm not exactly from around here. <laughs> no, um, just a slightly strong accent. Yeah, yeah. Um, growing so up, what growing part up of France in- are you from? <laughs> Stop that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was okay. Yeah. No, I, I grew up like in the countryside, just outside Milan. And yes. you know, as a kid, you grow up and you see those like red bottles everywhere. And you really want to get into it and know more about it. And when, how old were you when you first tasted Campari? I can't say that on radio. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want me to? Because, you know, I remember my parents used to have a liquor cabinet. Mm-hmm. And when I was Tell 10, 11 years old, I went to try everything. The first thing I loved, masala, baronia masala, vanilla-flavored sort of sweet wine, you know. And I go, oh, this is great. And you'd have a little glass, you know, a little sip and then put the thing back and close the thing. And, no, I didn't get in trouble. But then one day I thought, I'm going to try the red stuff. And I remember having the red stuff. I was about, I don't know, 12, yeah? And then I first tried it and I went... How did that go? Well, it starts off for a half a second, maybe a little bit, three quarters of a second. Campari is sweet. 
and then a tidal wave of bitterness comes yes. and takes you. And I thought my parents were crazy to drink something. <laughs> And yet it becomes, as the years go on, it becomes more and more of a beguiling, incredible drink. And I'm wondering if you had that experience. Well, Campari is a, you know, is a complex bittersweet flavor profile. Mm-hmm. And bitterness as a taste is something that, as a kid, for example, you're, you're not used to. You don't, no. you don't really tend to like by nature. No. But yeah. when you get to know how to like it. That's where it becomes like a game changer because bitterness adds complexity and depth of flavor and makes your life a little bit, you know, bittersweet and tasting better. It's like life. Here we go. It becomes a metaphor. <laughs> but okay, so, but, um, uh, you don't want to tell us about when you had your first Campari. I understand that. That's okay. But uh, when did you first able to join Campari? Actually, just, just over uh, a year ago. So it has always been a dream for me to actually become brand ambassador for Campari and representing the brand. But I've, I've been working in bars, post, for, in bars for the past 14 years. You've done the That's all I know. Just doesn't happen, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, like a year ago, the position was available. I applied for it and got it. Wow. Pretty, pretty happy and with you, that. And you applied for it here? I was in Perth, actually, in WA. Gotcha. And yes. I just moved to Melbourne like three months ago. Uh, and now I look after Victoria, Tasmania, WA, and South Australia for all tasting, trainings, events. And this beautiful red drink is the thing that now you stand behind and you are able to promote and shout about, which is a great, great thing. So but this this drink, very, very quickly, if we can do like a Reader's Digest sort of history of it, it's about family. It's about passion. Passion. It's about passion. Romance. Oh my god. That's what that's what you know, it's it's I'm very proud to represent Campari and It's such a perfect Italian story, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So if you think that was like single handedly created by one man, Gaspare Campari. Yeah. Signor Campari, as we call it in Italian, it from you Milan. Know? In yeah, it was from actually from a, a, a from the countryside between Milan and Turin in the north of Italy, and it was one between like twelve brothers and sister mm. um, from a family of very very humble origin. Mm. And when he was a kid, between twelve and thirteen years old, he had to you know find a job. He couldn't really go on and studying. He couldn't afford that. No, so he found a job in a cafe in a bar. Yep. Starting barbacking and he learned from his mentors and in those cafes he learns how to to make, you know, liqueurs using fusion and extracting flavor. And in eighteen sixty he just comes up with this revolutionary drink inspired. So he was a, he, he was an alchemist, wasn't he? Uh, uh, or well, what we call a li- licoreste. A liquorista. You liquorista. Know, there we go. My first, my first know, mispronunciation. Well, Say that again properly. Liquorista. <laughs> you know, you. back then there were different times. I mean, it's not like today that if you want a bottle of orange liqueur, you go to a bottle shop and you grab Grand Marnier from the shelf. No. Back then, if you wanted an orange liqueur, you had to wait winter when oranges were in season, yes. get as many oranges as you as could you and can. make enough for the whole year. Yeah. And that's what they were doing. So all all bigger, you know, bars and cafes, they were doing their own liqueurs and syrups and cordials. Mm. And Gaspar learns and master these techniques. And boom, he and makes it. Genius. Bitter liqueur drops the ABV to 25%, keeps the bitter sweet flavor profile, 
mm. and colors it red. With what? Cochineal at the start. Bugs. Mm, ish, yeah, it's like. Yeah, a, don't go ish. It is. It was Beatles. It was the cochineal beetle, was it not? Yeah, it's, it's like a pest that grows on cactus. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same We're thing still. when you when we think of the English. This is the thing that's so crazy. Is that you know the English and the redcoats when they say the redcoats are coming, the the army when they had the red tunics, that was the same thing that dyed the color of the cloth. Oh, so the same thing that covered the the Campari. Anyway, so Gas, uh, uh, Gaspar makes his drink, but then along comes his son. So it takes one generation to make it, and then the other one to make it worldwide. And because of a woman, here we go. You did your homeworks. <laughs> go on. I can see what's, that. What's her name? You know, um, Gaspar was the father. Gaspar was the one that created the the bitter. But if you look at the bottle. The name you'll find on the front label is Davide Campari. That's uh, his son. See. His son was the one that actually from a Milanese, you know, North, Ita- North Italian reality, mm. really took it abroad. So he, unlike his father, he was like a man of like culture. He spoke like different languages. He was a lover of the art. And uh, he was always at La Scala, the theater in Milan. Mm. And at La Scala is where he met Lina Cavalieri. <gasps> Beating hard. And his heart beat so hard. So pretty hard. Bloody pretty hell. hard. He, had a, he was She's crushing on her, wasn't he? And like Lina Cavalieri was like the main singer at La Scala. Back then, he, she was as famous as Madonna. Yeah. Know? So that's, that's how it was. And had a friendship with her. And uh, But being an artist, she had to travel around. How much of a friendship was it? Uh, just a friendship, probably. Really? Just, just good friends? <laughs> I mean, he was probably because madly he was, in love. he was besotted with her, mm. and he followed her too. Tell me if I'm right. Paris, Correct. Russia, to America, Correct. where Lena had all these various affairs with heads of state and industrialists, and he followed Absolutely. And when, oh my God, I'm and so in love the, with Lena. And took the and chance to bring a bit of Campari around the world. And this is the crazy thing. Through this love, or this, 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 uh, this besotted nature of this man, that he was able to drag his brand behind him, or in front of him, let's, let's put it in front of him, <laughs> it's better, and popularize this drink to the world because of possibly the unrequited love of Lena Cavalieri. Oh, absolutely, and that that really shows how you know the romanticism and passion mm. are a living part of what Campari is today. Mm. Because, and when I talk about Campari, when I drink Campari, when I share Campari, I always like to think of it like this beautiful, bittersweet aperitivo that was born from extremely humble origin in a basement of a bar. Yes. And through passion, mm-hmm. from that basement, it changed the way we globally drink today. And Be- maybe even love and tears. Love and tears, yeah. like that. And then all of a sudden, one day, a guy called Count Negroni walks into a bar. All of a sudden, Count Negroni, 1919, mm. if you do a bit of math, he's like, 100 years ago. Matt did that really well just before, Off didn't he? Uh, yeah, did. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we are actually celebrating 100 years of Negroni and, mm. you know, Campari being the red heart of Negroni. Love it. Love that. Yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> um, the red beating heart. Beating heart. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we are, um, we're celebrating 100, 100 years of Negroni. And actually, Negroni is 
the single drink, single cocktail with most detailed documentation of how it came alive and how it evolved during time. Can I put another thing to you, please? Please do. I would say that the Negroni has the most botanicals of any cocktail made in the world. Well, if you think that the three ingredients that are in there are gin, campari, and sweet Italian vermouth. Each one chock-a-block full of botanicals. Beautiful. There is no other drink that contains more. Extremely complex, rich, you know. And perfectly balanced. I mean, Perfectly this, balanced. This is the thing, and that's one of the things. It is the cocktail that has conquered the world, I think we could probably agree on. But it seems that certainly in this city, I can't say talk for the rest of Australia, but it seemed to have started off with bartenders and chefs off who had finished their shifts that went and got them because of that flavour profile. And it was from there that it sort of spread out, certainly here in this town. Well, if you think that, you know, it's if it's well made, it's an extremely balanced drink, mm. but it's also, you know, a very complex flavour, yeah. it's pretty straightforward to to say that, you know, People that understand flavor and they work with flavor every day, they probably were the first one to actually appreciate it. That's why they get drawn to it. But, thank um, you, guys. Thank you, guys. Um, we have uh, a couple things. First of all, uh, the Negroni is 100 years old. Celebrations for that. It is uh, – we need to talk about Negroni week. Yeah, beautiful. It's and actually starting today. So from yes. uh, 23rd, 24th of June to the 30th of June. Yes, uh, all are over the world. This year we're celebrating 100 years of Negroni and Negroni Week. So what a, what a great and easy thing to celebrate, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. So, um, and but there's also there's a great uh, tie-in with charity as well. Absolutely. So Negroni Week is a collaboration between Imbibe and Campari on yes. a global scale, yes. and we we engage with as many bars as we can, and the idea is to. Uh, raise a bit of awareness on Negroni, but also, and more so probably, uh, tie in like a big charity bit to it. So the idea is that you can go on NegroniWeek.com, have a look at the bars that are supporting it. NegroniWeek.com. That's global or is that Australian? Global. That's global. Absolutely. Okay. You can yeah. pick the, the and city you pick you're in city. Yes. and you'll see all the bars that are supporting it. And for that week, you will have... For every Negroni that is going to be sold, like part of the money is going to go for a charity. And what is good about it is that like there are charities that are very different nature and they help on uh, a global level, but also something that is very relevant to us mm. uh, in Australia and Melbourne. For example, we have like some local charities as well. So it's very good to drink for a cause, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, it sounds who good. wouldn't be? And um, all right, so uh, Count Negroni walked into a bar. He was drinking. You know, Americanos were everywhere, and he said, "I want something stronger." And that's how this yeah, thing. Nineteen nineteen. What it was goes the name of the bartender again? Because we should Fosco Scarcelli. Yeah, Scarcelli. He's the he's the genius. The other guy was just the wealthy person that. Well, actually, when we don't really know because if you think about it, you know, 1919, Fosco Scarcelli was probably 18 or 19 years old, just got back from, from oh, war. He's just a young and Yeah, he okay. was a kid. Yeah, right. I thought the same way as you, but like, you know, we, we learn new guy. things every day. No, 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 no. Um, very young bartender and 
Count Negroni lived in U.S. for a while, so he was a cowboy in the West, and he lived mm-hmm. in New York, yeah. and he was like a regular in all these like fancy cocktail bar, you know, the golden age of cocktails. He was a louche. And he knew, say. he knew, yes. you know, he knew cocktails, he knew spirits, he knew how to mix them, mm-hmm. and it's kind of fair to say that he asked for, a, for an Americano that he was drinking day in and day out with a splash of gin. Yeah. So people started to have a look at that, and they wanted to try because... Count Negroni had like a, it was a character, so it was like uh, very influential, you know. Yeah. And people and other co- uh, customers, they were asking for an Americana in the same way Count Negroni drinks. In the in Negroni, the Negroni, style. Negroni style. And then the, the name stuck. What a great legacy. It'd be nice to have it. Wouldn't it be good to live on, you know, have a, a, a drink named after you, man? Have, have a Smith. Hmm. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same ring no. as the Negroni. Someone tried to tell me the Cam's kick was mine. That might have been no. uh, David uh, from uh, Vitelli from Starwood Whiskey, but he lied. Anyway, <laughs> but you haven't, and it's been beautiful to meet the Campari brand ambassador. First of all, congratulations. You're a you. perfect proponent for what you represent, and I, um, I think that's fantastic. Beautiful. Thank you very much for having us, guys. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, folks out there, raise your glasses. Something else you wanted to say? Unless no. you want to make a Negroni. <laughs> no, <laughs> we can we, go out later on. No, we, I, I we might have to have one off here, I think. Um, so, folks, you can drink a Negroni. Raise the Negroni glass and know that you're using your powers for yes. good in doing that. Negroniweek.com. Check it out. All right, we better get out of here. We are over time. Still here's up next. Looking forward to that. Yes. Thanks, Matt. Let's go. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.